Greetings, and welcome to another exciting episode of Pretentious Internet Theater. I am your host, Andrew Cook, a man so leet, I discovered that my family had a history of podcasting. Uh, granted, I'm the first to do podcasting on the internet, but I happened to come across a recording from my great-grandfather in which he would read fan fiction sent to him uh, via telegraph. You can imagine he didn't have very many episodes. But I do have one such recording today, and I'd like to play it for you. In fact, it reminds me of a quote by Franklin Delano Roosevelt. says the test of our progress is not whether we add more to the abundance of those who have much. It is whether we provide enough for those who have little. And that's, of course, what I do. I provide much, which you who have little can listen to if you follow this podcast on Facebook at Pretentious Internet Theater, courses Twitter, which is The Pit Podcast, or email me at thepitpodcast at gmail.com. But without further ado, let us get to Great Grandfather Cook's Fan Fiction Theater. <laughs> out there in Radio Land, make sure that you turn your lights down low and your radio up so that you can listen to Fan Fiction Playhouse. Tonight is more of a scary tale in the style of 1HP Lovecraft. Our author who sent this in, Imperator President, went to his local Western Union and told the operator of his tale. Three months later, that tale was sent back to us. Now, we're reading it for you, his tale, The Box from Outer Space. If you want to get your story read, you may want to send it by telegraph at your local Western Union, and we will get those dots and dashes translated for you so that you can hear it on the radio waves through the science of technology. And now, with no further ado, The Box from Outer Space. A note found clutched in the hands of one Thomas Aldemus. When he was discovered in his rented room, he was muttering incoherently about moving walls and angles being wrong. Many will think my incredible tale to be utter nonsense, the ravings of a lunatic. But I tell you, the story I am penning is true. Oh, the horror. It is true. My tale truly begins one year ago, in the small town of Ockham, Massachusetts. I had just come into town, bright-eyed and optimistic, to inspect the college I was to attend, Mesotonic University. Oh. If I had just listened to the strange man, if only I'd been superstitious that night. 3rd of August in the year 1910, a great meteor shower had come over the town, many landing in the town or the immediate countryside. People began evacuating immediately after, but I, in my curiosity, chose to stay and see what these meteors were that scared the people so. As I approached one that had embedded himself in the main roadway of the town, I felt a strong hand grip my shoulder. I turned and saw a young man with long curly hair and Victorian attire. He stared into my eyes as if he was laying bare my soul. Suddenly, he smiled and said, They've not gotten you yet, but if I were you, I'd leave those meteors alone. Ignorance is bliss, they always say. 
Suddenly, his tone darkened. Stay away from the meteors. Knowledge may be power, but whatever's in those meteorites isn't worth the cost. Then, quick as a flash, he strode towards the meteor. He stooped over and pulled a small box out of the meteor. He studied it for a while. Then, he rapidly shot off into the darkness. Reeling from the experience, I headed off toward my hotel room to put myself together in peace. But, horror of horrors, one of the cursed meteors had crashed through my window, embedding itself inside my suitcase. As I pulled the meteor from its resting place, I heard a crack. Oh, but if only I had heeded what I saw, for within my suitcase lay my mirror, shattered in a hundred shards. I, in my cursed youthful curiosity, decided to inspect the meteor, not heeding the omen of ill fortune that my shattered mirror precipitated. Within the meteor was a box, identical to the one the strange man had discovered earlier. I hurriedly worked to pry the box open, yet no matter how hard I worked, the latchless box would not allow itself to be opened. I feverishly racked my brain for means to lay bare the contents of the box. But no matter what methods I attempted, my work was in vain. The box remained shut. Oh, if only I had purged the monstrous idea from my head, if I'd never thought of opening the box ever again. For the next few weeks, I did just that, absorbing myself in the studies at Misotonic, but then, in the second trimester of the year, I discovered Miskatonic's copy of the accursed Necronomicon of the mad Arab Abdul Adhariz, immersing myself in the tome of the deepest evil, I slowly lost touch with reality. I delved deeper and deeper into the dreadful lore, learning things that no man should ever become privy to. Hester the Unspeakable, Yag Sothoroth, Nyarvian Leptolet, Anet, Arcane Law, for which the knowledge would shake even hell itself. But worst of all, I read of meteor showers throughout history, always heralding the advent of incursions into our world. For the next few months, I devoted myself entirely to the study of the Necronomicon. I zealously searched for knowledge of boxes in the sky. I was not able to discover the knowledge I coveted. Oh, now, looking back, I am overjoyed that my endeavors were unsuccessful. Nevertheless, fate conspired against me. In one black overcast evening, I discovered the knowledge I sought. I discovered I must go beyond the meaning of the box. I must manipulate directly the matter that made the box, and not allow what I perceived of the box to influence me. I rushed madly toward my rented room, and tore the box from where I'd kept it hidden. Oh, then, and then, oh, blackest day, the box opened. But what I saw within turned my blood to ice. The box was empty. My despair rapidly turned to boiling anger. I raged to the walls to all within the sound of my voice. How could fate be so cruel as to steal my justly won prize, I roared. How could fate snatch what was frightfully mine? Suddenly, the room began to spin. The angles of the walls shifted. If there would be any word that comes close to the madness I witnessed, the room shrunk. It grew, it shifted, it twisted. My head began to spin as I tried to run. But no matter which direction I went, no matter which of the rapidly multiplying tunnels I chose, I ended up in the same spot, now entombed in a labyrinth of my own making. I began to scream, to shriek at my tomb. After hours of yelling and searching, I collapsed. 
finding in one of my pockets this very paper. I set out to write my experiences. Fate, however, is not done with me. The very words I write are not the words that appear on paper, and I can only hope what you are reading is what I truly wrote down. Words I am reading, oh, black knowledge, they hurt. Oh, they hurt. Curiously, the man that reported Alfuzza's condition to the police matched the description of the young man with the long curly hair and Victorian attire. The end. Well, that certainly was an interesting tale. Tune in next time for another exciting episode of Fan Fiction Playhouse. Make sure that you don't take any wooden nickels, kids.